another episode of Central Monmouth Advice Givers. Today, we're talking with Eric Ginsberg, owner of Solution Prep, New Jersey's most comprehensive SAT-ACT program. Eric's been teaching the SAT and ACT and providing college counseling since 1998. Along with his wife, Laura, and friend, Adam, both also teachers at Solution Prep, Eric worked on several test and college prep books, including Cracking the SAT, College Essays That Made a Difference, The Easy Essay Workbook, and The Princeton Review's Best 377 Colleges. Eric really is the expert in all things SAT, ACT prep, and college admissions. So if you or someone you know is thinking of taking the SAT or ACT soon, or if you're getting ready to apply for college, or your kids are, this episode is a must-listen for you. Eric shares some seriously awesome advice and really great stories. He's also got a degree in music and is working on his next degree in math education, so he's an all-around great guy with a lot to share. I had a great time talking with Eric, and I learned a ton. I have no doubt you will, too. Take a listen. So, Eric, tell us a little about um, growing up. Did you grow up in New Jersey in this area? Yeah, I uh, grew up in Marlboro. Okay. Um, and uh, I was not the best student. I didn't, I didn't really do my homework that much. Uh, I was the bane of my parents' existence. Uh, they like to use phrases like uh, not working up to your potential. Things, Every parent's favorite. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> things of that nature. Um, and, um, I, I got lucky, honestly, I was doing a really poor job in high school and my mother had a coworker who sent her son to some SAT prep place. And because of that, he was doing better in school. And so not really understanding what the SAT was or when it was going to come in handy. She sent me there because it might help me do better in school. And, um, because I was there surrounded by people who were focused on their future and why doing well now mattered later instead of being surrounded by some of my friends who were not <laughs> as forward thinking. Um, yes, we had some of the same friends. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> so I, I, I started caring more and I started doing better in school and I, you know, picked, picked my grades up and, um, eventually did well on the SAT as a result of that. Um, and I got, I got really lucky because every year, uh, the place where I went for test prep would, would hire two seniors who had done well in the program. Mm-hmm. And my year, I got to be one of those people, um, kind of, kind of by accident. Okay. And actually, um, I had a teacher who, uh, had just a really awful migraine one day and she just couldn't bring herself to stand up and teach the class. And so rather than canceling, she let all the students kind of, uh, one at a time. Okay, so who wants to explain this one? Come up to the board and explain it. And I got up to the board a few times and I explained things a few times and it felt really good. I felt really capable um, for, you know, it was like one of the first times I felt like I really understand these concepts in a way that I can relate them to other people. And so I, I went to the owner of the business after that and I, I said, hey, do you, do you think maybe next year, uh, you know, I could be one of those seniors? And she said, well, let's wait and see. Mm-hmm. Let's see how your scores do. And, you know, keep me posted. You have to get at least this number to get a job here. And so that then became my focus. Okay. I wanted to get that number so I could get that job. And, you know, thankfully I did. And, and it all led up to this. So, yeah. I mean, let's skip ahead a little because now, obviously, that stemmed into your business now. So tell us more about your business now and how you made the transition from student to solution prep. Sure. So uh, my my wife, Laura, and I own Solution Prep. Um, and 
I, you know, I've, I've been teaching the SAT and, and uh, later incorporated in the ACT and, and, and have been providing college counseling since 1998. Um, and for many years, I was at one company and then eventually I moved on to some other companies. I, I wound up writing curriculum at, at, at a few different places. I wound up working on a few best-selling uh, uh, textbooks for a national company. Um, wow. And um, this company kind of started by accident, honestly. I, I did not set out to start a company. Okay. Uh, I was uh, vice president of marketing for a book company during the day. Um, and I was teaching the SAT uh, uh, at night. Um, and, you know, I, I enjoy doing it. And so it's it's been a part of my life for all these years because it's fulfilling. Um, and, um, you know, every now and again, I'd get a call from a friend. Hey, can you, you know, tutor my kid? Sure. You know, I'll tutor, uh, your friend's kid, my, 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 my friend's kid. Um, and, uh, eventually I started getting calls from strangers, people who said, Hey, I'm friends with so-and-so. Can you tutor my kid? And, you know, if I had the time, sure, why not? And eventually that kind of word of mouth, that kind of just people calling me out of the blue on my cell phone, emailing me at my personal email address saying, hey, I got your name from so-and-so or, you know, I'm next door neighbors with our coworkers with, my sister is so-and-so, uh, my kid's friend. And I didn't have time to do anything else anymore. It was either, you know, I, I got to a point where I was turning people down because I was out of time. And good place to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, but I was out of time because I was working this day job. I was, you know, getting up in the morning, like 4.55 in the morning, catching the train, going into Newark, working at NJIT. And I just, I didn't love it. You know, I was grateful for the opportunity and I definitely learned a lot, you know, about running a business mm -hmm. from there, which I definitely use today, but it wasn't as satisfying and, and fulfilling uh, as actually working with students helping them uh, 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 reach their goals. Uh, and so I, you know, made the move to just doing this full time. And it was lean for the first couple of months because I went from having two incomes to having one. But sure. eventually this built back up into as much as I was making doing both jobs, just doing this because I had the more free time to do it. Right. I didn't just have to do it at night. I could do it in the afternoons. And I was said, sure, why not on the weekends? Um, and eventually I, you know, Again, ran out of time. I started telling people no, and I realized I'm going to have to bring in another teacher. Uh, and so I reached out to my friend, Adam, uh, and I said, Adam, you should totally do this. You would love this. And he said, no. <laughs> that was not what I was expecting. <laughs> no, I mean, me either. Uh, and he said, he said, no, you know, he liked having like a, a, a daytime job. He didn't like working evenings and weekends. He liked, you know, the, the consistency. And this is more of a risk. You know, you, you get paid when you teach. When you don't teach, you don't get paid. When you right. don't get booked, you don't get paid. Um, and, uh, I reached out, uh, to, to, uh, a, a, a couple friends of mine who were, you know, uh, either people I had worked with teaching in the past or people who I knew had gone to school for teaching, but maybe weren't doing it right then and, and were looking for it. Uh, and nobody really wanted to do evenings and, and, and weekends, uh, in part because. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. When, when, well, that's, that's when the students are out of school. You know, our right. job exists when the students are done with school and that's evenings and weekends. And so, um, a lot of people. I don't know, you know, a lot of them want to do that. They, they, they go to school to be a teacher and they have in mind they're going to work Monday to Friday. You know, they're, they're, they're going to work during the school year. And obviously teachers put in a lot of hours. Teachers come in early. Teachers stay late. Um, Absolutely. But, but working from 2.30 to 9.30, you know, every weekday and working like from 10 o'clock in the morning until 9.30 at night, you know, every weekend and in the summer 
we just go all day, you know, six days, six days a week. It's, you know, it's a lot of work and they don't want to do it. And every time I would ask somebody else, my then girlfriend, now wife, uh, would say, what about me? Maybe I could do it. And, you know, our relationship was still relatively new. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was trepidatious about, um, jeopardizing our good personal relationship by sure. you don't bringing risk, her into work. You don't want to risk what you guys have built together. And you also don't want to risk building something that may not work out. Ex well, I mean, who, who knows? Double -edged sword. Who, yeah, who knows? Uh, and so I was, I was really nervous about it. And, you know, I, I knew she could do the job. And, and the reason I knew she could do the job is, you know, completely by coincidence, the, the, when strangers started calling me, um, you know, I, I also, you know, shortly thereafter got the opportunity to start working on, uh, uh, some SAT textbooks for, for a national company. And she was the senior editor of books at that company. And that's how we met was working on test prep books, which is like the nerdiest way to meet your <laughs> wife. Uh, and so in, in, uh, that way, like she was the boss over there, uh, you know, with, with, with books. And so we, we had always had somewhat of a working relationship. Okay. Um, and so I took the leap and I said, okay, all right, come, come be the other teacher. And so she came in and, you know, she, she's fantastic. And I always knew that she would be fantastic at the job, but it turned out that it was really the best thing for both growing the business and for our relationship. Um, for the business, it was great because, you know, when, when you're starting a business, you know, when, when you lock the door at the end of the night, you're back to being on your own. Whereas when your, you know, girlfriend is your, your partner in that, uh, uh, you can talk about things over dinner. You can say, oh, I had a hard time with this. Oh, okay, try that. You know, oh, hey, I found this neat way that works better to teach this question. Oh, cool, I'll try that next time. And so you get to kind of talk shop um, in in a good way, obviously, you know, right. definitely taking your work home with you, but um, in, in a good way. And so there were a lot of things about what I was doing that I just took for granted. I can just do. I've been doing it so long. I can get up in a room full of students and just do, whereas conveying to another teacher in a way that class is modular. And by that, I mean, if a student misses class five with her, they can come to class five with me and it's the same class. Right. They're going to learn the same material. They're going to go over the same homework. And when they re return to their class, they'll be right where their classmates are without missing a beat. And those things took some work, took some ironing out. And so... Having that uh, with with Laura uh, was a really good opportunity, and also I mentioned it. You know, it's good for our personal relationship because you know she was getting up in the morning, she was going into New York every day, and then she'd come home, and I'd be out teaching, and I would get home at like ten yeah. ten thirty, and she'd be sitting there with like toothpicks in her eyes, and okay, can we go to bed now? And I'm like, I haven't eaten dinner yet. Yeah, just trying to find those right. five minutes at the end of the day where you're both and, awake. Right, and so it it put us both on the same schedule which is great. So, you know, we, we still get, now we both get home at, you know, 10, 10, 30 at night, some nights later. Um, and then we have dinner and then we do, we, we do the things at like 11 o'clock that most couples do at six o'clock. Okay. So we're just living on Pacific time. That's sure. You just, just bumped everything later <laughs> on Hawaii time. Make it work. So we get up a little bit later and, you know, we work a little bit later and that's fine. So, uh, and then eventually it grew and I needed another teacher and we tried a few different options and eventually I was, you know, I was uh, uh, catching up with, with Adam one night having dinner and explaining to him just how busy I was. Mm -hmm. And 
kind of again floated the idea, maybe you should come do this with me. And it was the right time in his life. And um, he he said, uh, okay, let's let's give it a go. And he came on board. And he's he's a natural. I mean, like Laura, you know, taught at the University of Alabama. She was the senior editor of books for the Princeton Review for many years. Like I've been doing this kind of work since 1998. Adam was not doing this work. Adam was not in education. Adam was um, a, a, a writer, an editor, working uh, at that point mostly on medical publications, uh, uh, medical websites, the correspondent magazines, and uh, uh, he edits uh, uh, research papers for robotics journals for MIT students, for wow. grad students. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but, but brilliant guy. Um, which is why I reached out to him, you know, so many years ago, because I just, I knew he'd be a natural. And so when he came on board, I mean, he, he took to it like a fish to water. And after his first, I want to say month doing this, he told me just how great it was to be doing it and how much he's kicking himself now for not <laughs> taking the opportunity so many years ago, realizing I could have been doing this all these years Yeah, because it, it's, it's, when you're when you're good at it, when you're passionate about it, it is a great job. It, it it really is being able to help students, being able to look them in the eye, being able to work with them, you know, one on one or in a small group, and you know, really get a feel for what they need, and being able to deliver that to them, and then being able to see that translated to scores. You know, the, the scores come in. We can measure our progress in a way that most people can't measure progress. Uh, and then we get to see kids, you know, get into college and get into their dream school. And so it's, it's, it's really rewarding. It would seem that it would be really amazing to have these kids and watch them grow and watch them learn and get to see that you actually helped them reach their potential and get to that next level that they may not have been able to do without your assistance and your guidance. So that's incredible. Um, did you ever teach in a traditional public school setting? I did not. And that's, you know, uh, one of the common misconceptions, actually, like you said, a, a double-edged sword. Uh, one misconception, uh, and a lot of people ask me, so so what's your day job? Like, do you teach in a school during the day? No, like I did last week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, I when, when you teach from 2.30 to 9.30 on the weekdays and you teach from, you know, 10 in the morning to 9.30 on the weekends, like there's a tremendous amount of uh, support work that has to get done. You know, there's phone calls, there's emails, there's scheduling, there's, you know, I got to manage the benefits. You know, we have health insurance. Right. Uh, you know, I have to do payroll. I have, you know, I have to update the website. There's parent portals that have to get upkept. You know, all these things have to happen. And so I, you know, I work 13 to 15 hours most days. Um, and, uh, you know, cause I, I have to wear two hats. I have to wear the hat of teacher and I have to wear the hat of business owner. Uh, right. whereas, you know, other teachers who work with me don't necessarily have to do all those tasks. Um, but, um, so, so, so there's, there's that side of it. No, I don't have time. Uh, and then there's the other side of it is that there are a lot of schools, um, you know, public schools, private schools that recognize a need, um, for students to get ready for the SAT and, and, and for the ACT. Uh, and so what they do is they say, hey, you math teacher, you teach math. Hey, you English teacher, you teach English. Uh, we should do an SAT class here at the school and you can do the math and you can do the English. And these teachers who are, you know, uh, uh, committed professionals who are experts in their field uh, then try to teach the SAT and the ACT, which are entirely different. 
it, it does not translate necessarily. I mean, yes, there's a lot of content that students need to understand. And yes, uh, uh, these teachers are experts at that content. But in understanding how these tests work and how to navigate your way through these tests and how to strategize your way through these tests, it is just such a different skill. Um, and so, you know, there's... And, 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 and forgive me, we can all Google this later. Uh, uh, there's, a, there's a particular fallacy, I forget the name of, that basically people assume if I'm good at X, that means I'll be good at Y. Uh, and it's not necessarily the case. I'm not sure that I'd be good, you know, in a school setting with, you know, 30 kids in a room for either three 80-minute periods or, or five 45-minute periods a day, you know, and then marking up all their homework after. That, that is, takes a lot of dedication but it's not what I do. What right. I do it's is a whole this. Different, whole different game. Exactly. And so trying to heap um, what it is that, that we here are experts at onto those teachers who are already plenty busy with the very special work that they're doing that is not this work um, doesn't always work out as well as intended. That makes sense. Um, so what are some of the misconceptions that you find you have to struggle with um, aside from people assuming that you have a day job in a school. <laughs> uh, so, yes, that's definitely one of them. Uh, a, a big misconception, and, and a lot of people get this from either um, uh, a guidance counselor who doesn't necessarily understand the test, or from other parents, because, well, I've been through this before, so I must be an expert and I can tell all my friends, uh, you know, parents often think, uh, <laughs> is is when when to start taking these tests. There are a lot of guidance counselors who have heard that there's Algebra 2 on the SAT and on the ACT, and so they assume, well, Algebra 2 is a junior year class, so the best time to start doing these tests is toward the tail end of Algebra 2, the end of junior year, March and beyond, and then into senior year. Uh, and that is, you know, really late to get moving on some of this stuff for, for a number of reasons. But uh, first of all, there are a lot of sophomores taking Algebra 2 and freshmen taking Algebra 2. And by the time they're juniors, they're doing pre-calc or in some rare cases, calculus. Mm -hmm. um, and Algebra 2 is so far away and it's not an Algebra 2 test. Right. It's like, I don't know, 5, 10% of the math on these tests is actually Algebra 2 and the rest is geometry and Algebra 1 and pre-algebra and, you know, basic arithmetic math facts that kids who are in these higher math classes are only using calculators and they start losing these basic skills of memorization uh, of, you know, just like their times tables and, 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 and how to write out double digit addition, um, you know, for sections with no calculator. Um, and so it, it really is best to start sooner, not to wait until March and then let it go into senior year. The best time to start um, is uh, either the summer going into junior year or the very beginning of junior year, depending on when students are more available. Um, if students are going to be away for a lot of the summer, the fall of junior year. If, if, if the summer is their time when they have a lot of free time because they don't have school and sports, summer is the time. And, and the reason why uh, is because, uh, well, twofold. One, you want to get done by the end of junior year. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to get done by the end of junior year. Uh, because, And this, this kind of gets into, you know, some just tips I would give parents is the summer going into senior year, that's the time to work on your applications. That's the time to write your college application essays, to take those extra visits, to maybe do like a week-long program at a school on top of your list, to either uh, decide if it should be on top of your list or to help with your application because having spent a week there can be beneficial when you're applying. Um, 
depending on the school. But if you don't know your SAT scores and you're waiting until senior year, you're waiting till the August SAT, the September ACT, the October SAT or ACT or even later, um, then you don't know which colleges to apply to. You don't know which colleges to start writing essays for. Is this school worth my time? Should I go take this visit? And by the time you finally get those scores and make those decisions in the beginning of senior year, you've got school, you've yeah. got projects, <laughs> you've got, you know, sports and homecoming is coming up and, you know, holidays, there's so much stuff to do. And so summer is such a great time to work on the whole application process, which means you want to be done by the end of junior year with all your test taking, which, you know, that's the horse. You got to go in front of the cart. Uh, <laughs> right. Makes yeah. sense. And, and so the, they offer the SAT seven times a year. They offer the ACT seven times a year. Um, and you know, there's a common misconception. You ask for common misconceptions that, Mm -hmm. you know, students like mine are better at this test or students who do better in this subject are better at that test. The fact is the content on the tests nearly identical. The difference is the ACT, the questions are more straightforward, but, uh, they give you less time per question. Whereas on the SAT, the questions are, you have to think your way through them a little more, Mm -hmm. but they give you more time. Okay. And some students will do better on one and some students will do better on the other. And the best way to find out is to take both tests because any kind of, you know, old wives tale about, you know, students who are left-handed are better over <laughs> here. You know what? Go take the test and find out. I even had parents tell me, well, I had my kid take this test that determines which test you're better at. Oh, and geez. then you only take that <laughs> test. I said, so let me get this straight. You took a test. Uh-huh. And then took another test. Uh Uh-huh. So wouldn't it have made sense to just take both tests? You're already taking two tests. Seems logical to me. Exactly. Uh, And so, you know, I I always try to give my students an all-of-the-above approach. Certainly, once you've taken both tests, you can say, well, uh, I did a lot better on this one than on that one. Okay, well, then only take this one moving forward. Now you know. And in some cases, they're really close, maybe only off by, by a little bit. Keep taking both. And the reason why I would say keep taking both is because at the end of the day, the only one that matters is the better one. Right. And so if one inches up a little higher, a little higher uh, uh, than the other one, then then that's the winner. That's the one you submit. I've had students tell me, I don't like taking the ACT. I prefer the SAT or vice versa. And I say, okay, but I'm looking at your test scores and you're better at the one you don't like. So I'm <laughs> sorry you don't like it, but I'm going to make you go do it for one more Saturday. You don't have to like it. Exactly. <laughs> you just have to do it. <laughs> right. It's going to be four and a half hours of your life and you're going to get through it. Uh, and you're going to have a better score and it's going to get you into a better school and maybe get you more of a scholarship offer and it's going to lead you to better opportunities. Right. So, you know, that, that having the full year to map that out of, of junior year, very helpful. And one of the reasons is, you know, there's homecoming. Sometimes homecoming is right before the October, November, or December SATs or ACTs, the five that are in those months. Um, sometimes there's a prom right before or, or, or the night of the June SAT or ACT or even the May SAT. Um, uh, for a lot of students taking AP classes, um, the uh, SAT subject test, which is a different test, but offered on the same day as the SAT, so you can't do both. Um, it's a good opportunity if you're doing, let's say, uh, you're doing uh, AP U.S. History, right, to then also take the SAT subject test in U.S. History. They're put out by the same company, written in some cases by the same people. Uh, and so um, for those students in those AP classes, I say, you know what, take subject tests in May. 
because that is when it's freshest in your mind. It's the same week as the AP exam. You've done all this AP prep in school. Go take the test. Um, some colleges require subject tests. Some colleges don't really. The, the competitive colleges require them. But all of this goes into mapping out when to take the SAT and the ACT. Because if you have prom this day and you have subject tests that day and you have homecoming, those start kind of gobbling up those 14 available dates. And you want to plan around those things right. so students don't have to, you know, make this, this awful decision. Well, gee, you know, I've got prom on Friday, but the test is on Saturday. Should I try to do both? Should I skip one or the other? Let's plan around it. Let's start sooner. Let's, right. you know. You've got to remember that they're, they're kids. Exactly. The test is important, but so is prom and Absolutely. so is homecoming. I, I never want a student to have to miss out on a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity like that because they got to take a stupid test. And so when parents call me with sophomores, that's great because we can map it out. We can talk about their travel plans for the summer. We can talk about what sports they're doing in the year, talk about all their activities, and make a plan that works so that over junior year – you get it done. And it's not this, oh my God, end of the year crunch, or oh my God, I'm a senior, what am I going to do? Crunch. All of my students who are done with their test prep, who are, you know, we, we work with them on college applications over the summer, their essays, everything. My students in the fall uh, who come back as seniors and they say, Eric, I'm so glad we got this done. I'm so glad the SAT and the ACT are behind me. My friends are tearing their hair out. I'm so glad we did the application essays over the summer. My friends are all first starting their essays with, you know, all of our AP and honors homework and they're trying to write essays and I have it all done. Uh, and so that, I mean, really is the, the, the biggest misconception in my field is the timeline. And so, you know, starting sooner, spreading it out, definitely the way to go. Long answer, short question, but... No, I love it because I'm learning so much and I'm thinking to myself, man, I wish I knew you 20 years ago when I was doing all this. <laughs> you did. I did know you. In fact, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I have a picture of us together at our prom, so I'm going to have to go dig that up. It's tonight. not our prom. It's actually, it's your sweet 16. I didn't go to prom. Oh, I, you're I had right. No it interest. is my sweet 16. It's your sweet 16. <laughs> I definitely know the picture you're talking about. You had long hair. I did. I had very long hair then. I I'm had hair that's longer that than yours now and lighter than yours now. <laughs> All right. Well, we're running out of time, so let's get back on subject. Um, is there What else do you want us to know? What else do you want the parents and everybody listening to know about um, the services that you provide to the students and the parents in our community? Uh, calling sooner is better than calling later. Um, but at the same time, you know, if, if you're in a situation where you're hearing this advice and saying, oh no, I'm already too late, call today. Don't, don't wait another month. Better late than never. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we have students who have all different paths. Um, you know, uh, uh, what do I want them to know about reaching out to me? Like, should I give you my, my contact Yeah, well, that info? was going to be my next question. Sure. You beat me to it. So yes, okay. how can, how can everybody get in touch with you? Sure. So, uh, you can certainly give me a call. My number is 732-556-8220. Okay. Uh, you can definitely find me online at solutionprep.com. Mm-hmm. Um, you can definitely shoot me an email. Uh, my personal email address is eric at solutionprep.com. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to talk with parents, even parents who don't wind up working with us, who just want to understand this process better. Even parents who have students who are too young, who want to, you know, think about when should we be doing these things? What can my seventh, eighth, ninth grader be doing now to make eventual test prep as painless as possible to be as ready? What content should they get better at now? Um, you know, those, those are all important things. Um, but 
uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's my, my, my biggest takeaway is, is it's not too soon to think about it. Um, and you want to get moving in time to get it done in time. That's great. All right. Thank you. You clearly know all there is to know about this. (laughs) So I'm sure I'm going to have some more questions. I'm thinking, all right, Spike's only 10 and a half. So I have some time with him. You you do have time. (laughs) And, And we didn't even get into things like, you know, college admissions and financial aid and scholarships. Well, would you and, like to do this again? We can have a yeah, follow-up. And... We, we could have a whole other conversation just right. about the admission side and, and the financial side because, and I'll, I'll give you, I guess, like a tease to that, is that, uh, you know, we always hear in the news about how much uh, the cost of college is skyrocketing, but uh, most people don't realize how negotiable that price is and how to negotiate the price down, but we'll save that for next time. Oh, man. All right. I want All right. <laughs> Definitely going to be talking again soon. Thank you so much, Eric. Thank you all for listening. Have a good one.